a Longhorn live stream on Friday afternoon. Uh, I've got Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton alongside me uh, with uh, InsideTexas.com. Uh, guys, how y'all doing today? Good, tired. The draft goes later than I realized in East Coast. I'm usually busy on Thursdays, but I watched it last night. Um, gotcha. Jerry, you're, you look like you're out of the track meet, buddy. I'm at the 5A and 6A Region 3 track meet at Old Turner Stadium. Bobby, I'm sure you took in some games here, like with David Boston. Some of those guys are playing maybe. But, uh, yeah, so if you hear any planes overhead, you know what that is. David David, uh, David Givens, Burt Berry. Yeah. That crew. Yeah. Hey, uh, guys, uh, let's talk a little bit. We've got we've only got Jerry for about 15 minutes today. Uh, and Max Asmus, I want to say his name correct. Uh, we butchered it enough the other day. We got it now. <laughs> yeah. I want to, uh, Max Asmus, a transfer from Oral Roberts, committed to the Longhorns yesterday, averaged 21.9 points per game. Jerry and I were both a little concerned. Everybody was a little bit concerned about exactly how Rodney Terry was going to remake the basketball roster, yet this was a big one. 21.9 points per game is a lot, um, no matter the level. Jerry, tell us what the plan – Not tell us a little bit about Asmus as well as some of the plans that Texas now has for the rest of this recruiting cycle as it relates to basketball. Yeah, Asmus is very interesting uh, to me, always has been. He's from Dallas Jesuit. He's from Rockwall but went to Dallas Jesuit High. He was recruited to Oral Roberts by Russ Springman, former Texas assistant who recruited Kevin Durant, DJ Augustine, Damian James, a number of great players to Texas. Uh, Russ is now the head coach at Oral Roberts after Paul Mills got the Wichita State job. Of course, Paul Mills has the ties. He was on uh, Scott Drew's staff, good friends with Tang. Uh, so when this recruitment started coming down to it, and it was Texas, K-State, then you say, well, maybe Wichita State's going to get a visit. But we never heard he would end up at Wichita State. Then Baylor's name got thrown in the last 24 hours there before he made a decision. It was an interesting recruitment, but it still came down to Rodney Terry versus Jerome Tang. Um, and this was a huge win, huge win for Texas. Obviously, I could say that 15 times, and I could still say huge one more time. And the reason is he's a two-time Summit League player of the year. He's a three-time first-team all-conference player, three-time honorable mention All-American. He is, even though the COVID years have kind of skewed the career stats in NCAA basketball, if he plays 30 games this year, guys, he's going to be the number two player all-time in three-point makes in NCAA history. What he does is opens up the entire floor for the Texas offense. You have to guard him to 25 feet. He's got great feel in the ball screen game. He's going to make DeSue's job so much easier this year. He's going to open up shots on the wings uh, for players when he's playing with the ball up top in the ball screen game. He's a 90% free throw shooter. I mean, 88 for his career. He has 423 point makes. Um, you know, the interesting thing when you really dive into Max is, you know, he's played in four NCAA tournament games, averaged over a 23.3 in those games. Uh, he carried Oral Roberts to the Sweet 16 his sophomore year. In 13 games against Power 6 teams, he's averaged 20 and a half. So his numbers have carried over 40% from three in those 13 games against Power 6 teams. And what does that mean for Texas fans for me? He's going to shoot it better next year. He's never had this much talent that's going to be around him to where teams had a more difficult time guarding him. They could hard hedge him. They could blitz him out to 25 feet and really try to get the ball out of his hands and make him shoot 26, 27 footers, which he had to on occasion. Now he's going to play with better players. 
and he's going to get even higher percentage looks, but it really opens up the floor for the Texas offense. Huge, huge get. And I don't want to underestimate how big of a get Caden Shedder was. I mean, because, look, Max is an offensive player. He's not a defensive player. Um, he's okay defensively, but that's not going to be his calling card. So having that 6'11 rim protector, it's a really good team defender that learned under Tony Bennett, who plays great team defense, to go with DSU. Texas is starting to have some things happen here, and uh, they lead for uh, Kendall Weaver, uh, spelled C-H-E-N-D-A-L-L, 6'3 guard out of UT Arlington in the portal. I think Texas leads there. Him and Max uh, Aspas have the same trainer that they work with in Dallas. I think Texas probably leads for uh, Zarek Anyemada, 6'8 power forward from UTEP. Uh, Vanderbilt could win that one. Uh, he has a lot of playing time there, but Rodney Terry recruited this kid to UTEP out of San Antonio J. Um, and then, you know, Tyrese Hunter's probably a little better than 50-50. He's returning. The door hasn't been shut on Dylan Mitchell. It was for a while. That door's no longer shut. Um, Texas is even talking to Damian Collins, the Kentucky transfer, who him or Mitchell would probably be that fourth type of forward uh, for this team. And you have Ron Holland coming in, who I think is going to be a tremendous freshman. So things are starting to come together for Texas. If they get a couple things to fall their way at guard in the portal, um, a 6'4 shooter, 6'3 shooter, too. This is going to be the best shooting team Texas has had since 2008. It's a little rim protection. So if they get Tyrese Hunter back, they got a chance. All right. Thanks, Jerry. I want to talk uh, real quick and, and say thank you to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to start your own business, own your own business, uh, and wanting to leave the corporate rat race, give Andy a shout. Uh, he has the list and uh, can actually qualify you uh, for certain businesses uh, that are franchises. So try them out, Andy, at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, guys, uh, I want to say this real quick. Bijan Robinson last night goes number eight overall. Big, big, big hit for the Longhorns, I think. Uh, he is the first first-rounder uh, on the offensive side of the ball for the Longhorns since Vince Young all the way back in 2006. Just incredibly hard uh, to believe it's been that long, right? And, and I feel like it, it, it's something that we got to all be happy about. And uh, one of those things that we all believe is going to be a little bit of a sign of things to come. I mean, they may not be top 10 picks, uh, but the Longhorns were getting ready to be ripe with draft picks. Ian, comment on that if you don't mind. Well, sadly, not too surprising because we've watched uh, Texas's results. Over, the last, over that over that period of time, but um, you know the first round is such a is such a freak thing. I, I almost wonder if second round picks or like ten to twenty five are almost a better uh, demonstration of program health because you want to have guys that are consistently there and Texas is not. That's been sort of the mark of the team is that they've lacked that depth of talent to routinely have. Uh, day one, day two talents on their rosters coming into the league. Bijan, I mean, just watching him, it, it was plain that this guy was a different level of athlete than Texas has had in recent years. He was dominant even when his supporting cast was not, right? Like how many 100-yard games did he have in 2021 just on the strength of uh, making people miss tackles and breaking tackles and stiff-arming and picking up yards that, 95% of running backs wouldn't have picked up. It was very interesting. I, I think he had his coming out party really in that uh, Colorado Alamo Bowl where, where he was the focal point of the offense and really just made everybody else look like they were in slow motion. 
in that game, I, I felt like. Uh, but certainly, a, you know, I think it's a harbinger of things to come uh, because right now the Longhorns, uh, we talked about it. I mean, 10 guys possibly uh, in in the combine this time next year. Uh, all right. I want to get back to Jerry because he's got to get going here pretty quick and ask him a little bit about that stuff. I, I do want to say Ian and I are also going to be talking about the guys we felt like were pleasant surprises in this spring training, uh, this uh, week, our month and a half almost of spring ball. Uh, and I'm not talking about guys like A.D. Mitchell that we knew already coming in would be guys or Christian Jones or Kelvin Banks. I'm talking about pleasant surprises, guys a little deeper on the roster. But right now, I want to head back to Jerry. Uh, Jerry, you're out there. Micah Hudson's where you're at, I believe. Yeah. Mike Hudson, um, one of the top receivers in the country, if not the top, is out there. Selman Bridges, his teammate. I know you've talked to several guys today uh, already out there. Give us a little recruiting update uh, for people uh, that are interested. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Micah Hudson obviously is the name. Uh, I spoke with him for a few minutes before uh, while, before warm-ups here, before the relays and the events got started. Um, and I think we're kind of on point with our reporting on Inside Texas. Uh Justin Wells, myself, whoever's reporter on this one, I, I think it's unsure whether he's going to take June official visits. I think I bet he takes a couple, then saves maybe a couple for the fall, or maybe not. He's a midterm graduate. He graduates in December. Uh, I think it's Texas versus Texas Tech at the in-state programs. I think A&M's there trying. I think right now they're probably a distant third. We'll see what happens. Then the out-of-state programs, Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia. The only one he hasn't been to is Georgia. I do think he, he'll get out to Georgia. Um, but I, I think really right now Texas and uh, Texas Tech are, are both really strong with him, as we've been saying. A great kid to talk to, really focused kid. I mean, I, I think he's one of those mature guys that's going to fall in line if he goes to Texas, like some of the early enrollees this year where we said, okay, these are mature guys. These aren't the regular seniors in high school. I think Micah Hudson has a lot of that in him as well. Um, I have not talked to Selman Bridges yet. I'm hoping to later. Going to talk to Cody Seller to 2025. Uh, DB out of Shadow Creek. I'm going to talk to Ashton Bethel Roman, the 2024 wide receiver from Ridge Point, here coming up in a few minutes, who Texas went and watched uh, practice Tuesday and is showing some interest in. So we'll see if that one moves anywhere. Uh, but I'll say this, Bobby Fort Ben Marshall's 4x100 team was 0.04 off the national record, which has stood since I believe 98. Um, have you ever seen a, a track team that you just in warm-ups was faster than everybody else? That's how fast Marshall is. It's crazy. They're four by one. I want you to go three-quarter speed and they run a 42. You know? <laughs> my, my, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, the, the, Marshall has legit, legit speed. Like when I, I call it region two speed, they could they could compete with the Duncanville DeSoto and win. All right. Hey, I've got a question for you while we still got you, Jerry, because this one's going to be big. Uh, with Texas reconnecting with Ryan Wingo, for those who don't know, Ryan Wingo is a wide receiver out of the St. Louis area in, up in Missouri. He is actually scheduled an official visit to Texas. He's one of the top handful of wide receivers, similarly ranked to Micah Hudson, right, Jerry? Um, yes. He's visiting Texas on June 16th now. How many wide receiver takes are there in the 2024 class? That's number one. And then I have a follow-on question is, you know, are they, they seem Chris Jackson, the new wide receivers coach, seems to be out and about and personally evaluating. L earlier this week, you were at um, uh, you were at Clear Lake to check on Hunter Modden, and Chris Jackson and Blake Gideon have to stop by. He's been out at Ridgepoint. You just talked about that. I know he's been by Marshall, uh, a bunch of different places. Kind of connect the dots for us on the entire recruiting process 
at wide receiver right now? Yeah, I think the Wingo news is huge. Look, he was on campus in June. I think he'd been there once before, too. A year ago. Yeah, he was on campus in June, and I talked to him after that unofficial visit. He was there with his father, I believe, and maybe or a couple people from his circle. And at that time, he was telling me, yeah, Sark is the person that I've had contact with. So I kind of put that in the memory bank, and I checked in with him a couple times during the season. There wasn't a lot going on. I mean, Texas was still in, on his mind. But that's really huge news because he is one of the top three or four receivers in the country in that class. He's going to be at Georgia June 2nd, Missouri June 23rd, maybe Ohio State the 9th, 11th, or Alabama. I can't remember for sure who that one is. And then Texas on the 16th. But that's an interesting one because that means uh, if you're an in-state wideout and you were thinking about you might be going to Texas, that makes you a little nervous if Wingo likes Texas because – uh, he's going to be pretty high on the board there. You know, Parker Livingstone is uh, set for June 23rd. Freddie DuBose is set for June 16th uh, out of uh, Smithson Valley, who tore his ACL this year. So I think it's kind of an unknown where he's at. Um, and then you have guys like Ja'Kyle Baker. Micah Hudson obviously will make the official visit to Texas. If it's not June 23rd through 25th, it'll be early September. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting to see which direction they go. I'm thinking right now they got to take three. Two for sure, maybe three. They're gonna they're gonna endure some losses at wide receiver after this season if they have I, I, I was gonna say they could easily lose Worthy, Whittington, and AD Mitchell. They, yep. They're gonna and need Nayor. Yeah, I mean, and Nayor. Whether it's yeah. play or maybe his opportunities aren't there. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's a, it's a long list or a laundry list right now. Uh, for those guys, Jerry, we're going to go ahead and let you go, bud. You're, you're I awesome. got to get back to racing, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, I know what leg you're running. The fifth leg yeah, to the bar. I'm stepping into a slim gym right now. That's the only <laughs> leg I've got, okay? <laughs> Take care of yourself, man. All right, man. Y'all have a good All weekend. Right. Yep, you too. All right. Uh, now, I'm going to talk a little bit more here uh, with Ian Boyd. Ian and I are going to uh, fill out the rest of this hour. Please get your questions in, comments, uh, and we'll uh, be focusing and share sharing those with the, the uh, crowd uh, on this Friday live stream. Uh, we appreciate Jerry Hamilton for stepping in. All right, Ian, um, I want to go over this. Uh, I, we always do our question of the week uh, each and every week. It's brought to you by Last Stand Hats. Uh, Last Stand Hats is your uh, place for uh, interesting and unique Texas gear, like the hat I'm wearing today that has the hook and horns on it. I actually uh, got this from them. Last Hand Hats, use promo code BOBBY10 for 10% off. All right, here's the, uh, here is the trivia question for this week. Other than uh, outside, of, when B. John Robinson was selected number eight overall, who was the last person that has been selected in the NFL draft as a Texas Longhorn? So who, other than B. John, who was the person before him that was selected most recently in the NFL draft. Not looking for, I'm not looking for a round. I'm not, I'm just looking for the most recent selection. Obviously waiting for people to chime in. I think I got, I think we have a winner. Is it really? Yes, it is. (laughs) I I did Ian, I did this for you because you were talking about Sam on Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember which. And I said, I've got to come up with one that has Sam earlier as the uh, as the answer. Uh, Six-round pick in 2021 uh, of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the Longhorns expect four more uh, draft picks uh, to, to be produced either today or over the weekend. 
uh, for uh, Texas. Uh, Ian, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about, uh, thank you, Ryan. Congratulations, man. Uh, that is a, a good pick there. I want to talk a little bit now uh, and kind of reset some things from a uh, pleasant surprise scenario that I talked about earlier. Uh, guys that you felt were pleasant surprises uh, on the in uh, the spring ball. And I'm going to start with us. And I'm going to start and say B.J. Allen, uh, the safety from uh, uh, Alito. I felt like he had a difficult fall um, and was not really in line to do much. And then I think the light bulb may have started coming on for him. I got real, real serious about ball, ended up having a really terrific spring. So that now when Jaron Thompson, Jalen Catalan, Keaton Crawford, Michael Taft, all those guys most likely gone a year from now, you could be looking at someone like B.J. Allen as a potential starter for them. Yeah, you know, his brother also decommitted from the Longhorns. And you just had that immediately. I was like, oh, he's he'll be in the portal, right? It's done so much for the B.J. Allen Longhorn career. Um, has stuck it out by all accounts. He looks pretty good in the spring game. He has, you know, in in a high school film, his playing range was an obvious. I mean, that's basically why he was a blue chip, right? He was a premier athlete, and he was like, this guy can cover ground in a way that your average Big 12 safety cannot. Um, I think this was the first time I've seen him play on a college field against college players was in the spring game. And uh, he might've done special teams, but I didn't really notice. And he definitely looks the part. He looks like his weight is at an acceptable level for safety. He erased ground on a couple of tackles. He had a, you know, he was the guy that made Jaden blue give up on that ball that Xavier worthy threw. He was the one who was head hunting and, and Jaden Blue was like, no, not, no, I'm not doing this. Um, he had a couple other pretty big tackles as well. Probably a couple other plays. I think he got targeted a little bit. He was like probably the weakest link on the first, on the, on the defense that faced the first team offense, uh, which is not really a, a, a knock on him. Um, so, yeah. I think that's a good one. Do you want me to do you want me to fire one off? Or you yeah, I want one? you to go with one too because I, I've got a couple here that I want to talk about. But um, in that vein, who who are you, who are some guys that you or who's the guy that you thought uh, was a pleasant uh, surprise? I'm definitely going to get one off then because I think you might have more than me. I think it's harder for me or you to be surprised because of uh, we we follow it so closely. Yep. But uh, Ethan Burke looks like he's bigger and more ready to have an impact this coming season, potentially as a starter than um, probably would have hoped for, say, after the bowl game. Like watching him in the bowl game, it was like clearly he's amongst the leaders of the young edges on the depth chart, but he doesn't look strong enough. It doesn't look like he's really putting it together yet. And um, apparently just had a great winter conditioning season and looked pretty solid in the spring game. He can drop. Um, he has an inside move in the pass rush. Uh, and he's stronger and bigger. So I don't know if he's ready to be the answer, but he might, he might start and he may not be a, you know, big weak spot. So uh, here's the reality. He has to be an answer as of right now, uh, because he beat out justice Finkley head to head. Finkley was ahead of him going into the, into the spring. Burke emerged, uh, the winner of that battle. 
At the same time, uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Anthony Hill. Anthony Hill vis-a-vis that that uh, position if Texas tries to rotate him him in more on passing downs. And they can also um, they could play Jerry Bledsoe at Jack and then play Sorrell in that position as well. So they have a few different answers, but either way, you figure Burke is in the mix. He's in the two deep, and that's. I- I, I like the pick. I think he was a pleasant surprise. I'm going to go next here uh, with this one. I'm going to go Neto Miozulu. Uh, and look, I, I think that there are very few things that get people charged up sometimes about a football player. When he went in against Oklahoma late in that fourth quarter and literally played with piss and vinegar <laughs> and took some people out, you know, and played to the whistle. It was, I think everybody's eyebrows were raised and excited about him, right? Which and position so, was he at when he did that? Do you yeah. remember? What's that? What, do you remember what position he played at? When right he did tackle. That? Right tackle, I believe. I believe either right or left tackle. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, I just remember him almost going past the whistle twice in a row. And I was like, okay, this is, this is not bad fight when you're up 49 to nothing. This is a guy that obviously wants to see the field. Um, but – just from what I'm hearing, he had a really nice spring. Um, and he's still trying to get, you know, he's still trying to get that college body ready. Um, in some regards, he's not unlike Hayden Connor from a year ago, where you knew he had talent, but you didn't know where he would end up with it. Um, but I thought that, uh, you know, we could talk about Cam Williams. We could talk about Kelvin Banks from that group. Uh, but Neto was probably the guy uh, that was next up for me. And, and I felt like, kind of had that spring that cemented him in that top six or seven of the rotation. You know, there's no doubt that he's in the top line of the rotation. Where he fits is a question, but he's in that rotation. Yeah, I would love to see him at tackle like we did in the in the Oklahoma game. I thought at guard in the spring game, he was a little out of his depth. He was also facing, you know, Byron Murphy, he might be the best defensive tackle in the – in the Big 12, might be talking about him next draft season, for all we know. Um, but, you know, out of high school, there were times when he was my favorite lineman in that class. I thought his I thought his film was some of the most promising, at least as a run blocker. Okay, you want to shoot off another? Yep, got, your, your turn. I got um, – I'm going to take Malik Murphy. <laughs> That's a tough one now. Come on. Well, we went from, I think we had a conversation on this stream where it was like, he was missing the first week or two of spring practice. And it was like, is this guy just going to get buried? Is he going to have to move positions eventually? Like his foot again, you kidding me? And then by the end of spring practice, it was like, oh, this guy might be able to start games and win games for Texas next year. So I don't know if the staff was surprised or not, but I, I think a lot of us were. Oh, I think that he took the bull by the horns, right? I mean, he hasn't had many opportunities because of his health. Uh, you're talking about a guy that has been dinged up almost since the time he enrolled. Um, and so absolutely a, a surprise in my, uh, think, in my thinking, not that he didn't always have the talent or the ability, just very, very surprising overall that uh, Texas went there. All right, we're going to be taking y'all's questions uh, and comments, so please feel free to fill up the uh, the uh, queue, and Ian and I will try to get to them as quickly as possible. Ian, I have one last 
surprise that I thought was a, a pleasant surprise for Texas that I think uh, I only wish Jerry was here. And that's Alfred Collins. Um, you know, sometimes we talked about B.J. Allen, maybe the light bulb going on a little bit for him, right, as a true sophomore. Sometimes it takes a little longer um, for guys. And with Alfred Collins, it may happen because he wasn't necessarily in a defined role that fit him early on. Now he is, and hopefully uh, he is, that light bulb is com completely on this summer, and he rides this wave of improvement through this spring into this summer and then gets into a scenario where he is one of the best players on the team because he certainly got that ability. In that way, I, th I felt like his spring season was a pleasant surprise because he's been all talent for the most part, and he's starting to finally put it together. Sometimes those guys just become prospects forever and never make it to the major leagues. Yeah, that, what some of Paul's notes that he, I think he shared with you on the show about the lack of a defined role and how he's finally he came into this spring with, I know my job on the team, I'm going to shape my body for the role. I'm going to gain weight. I'm going to focus on tackle. It's possible that he could make, it seems like he made a leap of sorts this spring. And it seems like he could potentially make another one for the fall. Uh, maybe some added confidence. Maybe something's finally clicked. Like as, as surprising and, and optimistic as it was for him this spring. I mean, he, he has such otherworldly athleticism for his size that he could come into the fall and end up being, you know, another level entirely. So that one, yeah. I think that's, that's maybe the biggest one, maybe the most important one we've mentioned. He could change games with sacks, man. Yeah. You know, that, that's the reality of it. I mean, uh, barring injury, Malik Murphy obviously would be more important as, as a quarterback if, if Quinn Ewers suffered injury or something, but, yeah. Um, you know, Alfred Collins can change games. He's that quick. He's that athletic. And if he can, if they can find him ways to get one-on-one -on -one, uh, against uh, offensive guards, all, even offensive tackles uh, on an inside shade, I think that he's got a real chance uh, to be a difference maker for the Longhorns. All right. I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky. Uh, one more time. Andy is uh, the owner of MyPerfectFranchise.net. He's got a really cool process. He takes uh, potential business owners and takes them through a questionnaire. Uh, talk takes about ten to fifteen minutes. Then he comes back, compiles all your all the answers, and in the next day or two, he talks to you about four or five different franchises that might work best for you. It's a cool process. I did it myself. If you're interested in owning a franchise, try Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Andy's a friend of the program. Uh, we really appreciate him as well. All right, so we're going to get to some questions now, Ian. Uh, and get going with this and, and see what we have to say. Uh, before I go there, I will have one last comment, and I want your, your feeling on this. The number of draft picks from the Big 12 last night, six goes in the first round from the NFL. You've been talking about Will McDonald until you're blue in the face on this program for two years, the, the edge from Iowa State. He proved you right last night. Uh, I can't even say the guy's last name from Kansas State that went the very last pick in the first round. King Felix. On top of that, we also had uh, the, the young man from Alabama go two overall, Will Anderson. Kelvin Banks played against him also. Um, it's like Kelvin Banks had trial by far fire uh, in his freshman year and came out okay. 
Tyree Wilson, another one that he plays, played against. So four first-rounders uh, that uh, Kelvin Banks went up against. Additionally, one more fact, Tashard Choice coached the only two first-round running backs, B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. Gibbs when he <laughs> was at Georgia Tech. All right, nice. so what did you think of the what did you think of the Big Twelve overall? Those six draft maybe, picks. Maybe that should have been your um, trivia question there, Bobby. That was pretty. That was a pretty good little little trivia bit there. I, you know, what was notable to me is that you know our our colleague Paul often does like a he goes and, and lists all the the draft picks by conference, and the Big Twelve is usually, you know, does not fare well. They did a lot better this year, right? And all those edge rushers was why, just for whatever reason, they had a boom cycle of edge rushers. But what we're going to see is that the Big 12 is about to send a lot more guys to the NFL. There's a lot more prospects coming from uh, Kansas State, TCU, Oklahoma. What does that mean for next year, Bobby? I don't think that next year is going to be another huge year for the Big 12 unless the transfer portal has just completely changed the dynamics, which – With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe a little bit, but probably not. My, my point is, we, we've talked about, the big, we just mentioned the Big 12 had this, this massive talent drain. We've been talking about all of main, Texas's main guys are really a year away from the draft or two years away. Texas is really going to be entering a cycle where they have a load of NFL prospects right when the league has been depleted. So, yeah, I, look. They've it's got four game. more. Texas has four more coming in the next two days, I, I think. And um, so you look at that also. I think that we've talked about it. Uh, I looked, I tried to find guys that I thought might be first round picks from other Big 12 teams next year. So I went and looked at rosters. Cooper Beebe, the offensive lineman from Kansas State, is a guard, though. Guards rarely go first round, despite being, I think, a two time first team all Big 12 guy. Um, I looked at uh, Texas Tech's roster. Texas Tech has a good roster. Maybe their best prospect is a tight end, though. Um, and those don't go often in the in the uh, first round. Uh, you look at TCU, Josh Newton's a maybe, right? Uh, yeah. The corner. I think that might be a, a guy you could look at and say maybe. Uh, and But other than that, a, OU doesn't necessarily have a first rounder, at least at this stage. They may have some that they got in their recruiting class. Oklahoma State, no. Iowa State, I didn't see a first-rounder per se in Kansas. Baylor didn't have one. So if it's not Texas or a guy like Cooper Beebe and Josh Newton, I'm not sure that the Big 12 uh, has one uh, next season, to your point about how they're 
it, it's it's gearing down a little bit. This was a little bit uh, of an odd year. All right, let's uh let's take some questions. Uh, While you pull up a question, can I make one more note to what you were? Yeah, go for it. Go for Kelvin, it. Kelvin Banks just right had that trial by fire you mentioned. Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, King Felix. So the uh, next year, he is not going to face that. He's going to be a year better. There's a, a few good edge rushers. I think actually that uh, Joe is writing on this because he was asking me about it earlier. There are a few good edge rushers left in the Big 12, but it is it is a different scene this coming year. That, that could be really good for Quinn Ewers in the passing game. Yeah. I mean, just bottom line, I think uh, Joe Adidiri uh, from uh, Texas Tech's pretty good. Uh, he's only going to be a sophomore. Uh, he's one Then Colin Oliver up at Oklahoma State. Uh, and then Trace Ford at Oklahoma, who's a transfer. Uh, he's not bad. Not bad. Hey, I'm, I'm dude, worried that his knees are gone. Hey, I want to mention this real quick uh, because I think it's fair. Uh, we talk about the Cowboys and Texans as well. Uh, a lot of Cowboys fans, a lot of Texans fans on here. Cowboys drafted Maisie Smith. He ranked number one on Feldman's freak athlete list. How does Michigan get them? They always have athletic freaks on the D-line. Smith, Hutchison, Ajabo, Quidi Perry. Hey, they, they got one from Texas. Rod Smith uh, was a guy that uh, from Chicago that Texas tried to get in on late, uh, but it ended up signing with uh, Michigan late last year. Uh, Maisie Smith, what do you think of that pick for the Cowboys? And then circle back and tell me what you think of uh, C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson uh, to the Texans as well, Ian. Well, I when I was watching the draft live and Jalen Carter went to the Eagles, I thought, okay, who's the guy with some off-the-field issues that Jerry Jones is going to snatch up? It seems <laughs> It seems like it's a prerequisite to be drafted by the Cowboys that you have to have some sort of character concern that leads you to becoming like a steal in his eyes. Like he has no problem with just hoarding them up. Um, Maisie Smith had the incident uh, before the Big Ten championship game. What what happened there for folks unaware? I I'm I have to be vague because I'm not I don't remember the specifics, but he was pulled over and had a gun in the car. And uh, I believe that they smoothed it over. There was something like he was going to get it registered or was about to be registered or something. And he, he, he didn't miss any time, but it was sort of a, you know. Um, he's a good player. I'm sure the Cowboys will benefit from his presence. And then I, I thought that I do not like C.J. Stroud as an NFL quarterback. I thought that his film at Ohio State was largely dropped back have all the time and space you could ever want because of like number six pick parents, Paris Johnson or other guys throw to your choice of future NFL wide receivers, never have to go past your second read. And also your team can run the ball whenever you want to, unless you're playing Michigan. And so I, I was not impressed by Stroud. I thought the few times when he was tested mostly against Michigan, the last he was and two against Michigan. They really got his goat a couple times. They pressured him. He looked like he lost composure. I did not like that pick for the Texans. I feel like when you're in as deep a rebuild as they're in, you shouldn't strap your future to a specific quarterback unless you're very sure. That felt like a, we're getting pressure from the owner. We're getting pressure from the fans. We're getting pressure from the media to give them something to cling to for hope 
rather than a smart pick. But I think Will Anderson's going to be really good. So, kind of. Let me ask you this: uh, the you mentioned Smith in the the off field incident. What did you like him as a player? Yeah, he's a good player. I, I would have drafted him too if I were the Cowboys. Okay, so so that basically you're just saying Jerry friend. Jones hit type. Not that he's a, not that he was a bad pick. <laughs> yeah, I just you know I love to get that crack in. This is funny because you know there's it's always something with him. I I think Jerry Jones still kicks himself for not drafting Randy Moss, and that, that's one of the reasons he he refuses not to do that any longer, right? So it's interesting. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, got get some more comments from everybody uh, talking about uh, various aspects. Whatever y'all y'all want to talk about, we'll try to get to today. All right. Um, Let's go here. Joel McWaters. Have you guys heard anything about potential NIL changes regulations? Is the NCA being handcuffed by individual states able to manage overriding legislation and thus moving slowly? The answer is yes. I've heard a bunch. The state of Oklahoma, the governor just vetoed their bill uh, that was supposed to give OU and Oklahoma State uh, almost carte blanche to uh, uh, create NIL rules on their own that are not NCA related. Uh, so, yeah, the, the problem we have here is that there's no consensus. Uh, and the consensus among states at like Oklahoma, like Texas, like Arkansas, and like in the Southeast are not the same as the consensus in the state of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, uh, and the, in the Midwest. Um, and I feel like what people need to understand is uh, without national rule, true, true national rule, we're not going um, – uh, we're not going to, to to get to a situation where there is one size fits all for NIL, unfortunately. Uh, given that, I think it's imperative that we that Texas does what Steve Sarkeesian said, and that's adapt or die. Uh, play the game and figure it out how it works best for you, or you're going to be you know looking up to the guy that's running number one, basically. Bobby, do you yeah. happen do you happen to know? I, I had heard that at one point in time, Tommy Tuberville you know, former Auburn coach, now Alabama senator, was working on a national NIL legislation. Do you know if that's dead on arrival? It's DOA. I mean, anything, asking the federal government to do anything like about NIL is going to be DOA because here's the reality. Tommy Tuberville, Tuberville, you know, state senator or senator from the state of Alabama. Well, guess what? Cory Booker played at Stanford and is a Democrat from New Jersey polar opposite views. It's 50-50 down the middle. There's no way uh, they're going to get to anything like this. They're, they're worried about debt ceiling limits and stuff that I don't even know what that means. Uh, the, the NIL is such a small thing on their desk. Uh, they're worried about equity in sports with transgender type stuff. I mean, uh, they're not worried about whether athletes get paid NIL. Um, and if some people want to uh, pay athletes more for for where they go to school, then so be it. I mean, good for them. I I I think that that's part of the problem with that the NCAA has. They think that they should be getting something that they clearly the the judicial system does not agree with, and the political system doesn't think is a big enough deal for them to even worry about. Really, they they act like it, but it's just it's just a mouthpiece. It's just words right now. Maybe All right. They'll- uh, They'll, maybe they'll sneak it into some other bill, though. I, 
but where? I mean, it's not going to be a Republican or a Democrat-led bill. That's just the whole issue. All right, uh, Sam has this. With Arch not taking NIL dollars, will they use that to pay current players on the roster, or is it to lure a dude like Colin Simmons to Texas? Um, I, I think that's two totally different uh, scenarios. Uh, illegal to pay players to, rec- to recruit players to a school. Uh, so a player would have to ha- actually be on campus before they can receive any money. Uh, I don't think Texas is going to be in, in that kind of scenario where you didn't pay Arch, so you're going to pay somebody else something more. Uh, people get what they get because of what they deserve almost all the time. Uh, all right, let's go on this. Michael Gresser with a question. Uh, do you guys think there's anyone currently in the portal that Texas would pursue if they had space available? Yes, probably. Um, but right now they don't have space available, and the coaches are pretty happy about that to be honest. Um, uh, they're very happy with their team. It uh, doesn't mean that if something breaks late, uh, the portal closes here in about 48 hours, April 30th, uh, May 1st, actually. Uh, and then there's a 48 hour grace period where they can still be putting players' names into the portal if they were filed before Mar- May 1st. Uh, we'll see how it turns out. But I mean, there's a guy, there's, there's guys all over the place. There's a, an edge at Alcorn or at a- Appalachian State uh, that, uh, you know, I think had two sacks against A&M. There's guys, uh, a safety from UAB that's already visited Alabama. There, You know, there's another safety, I think, that's visiting um, uh, Ohio State right now. There are guys in the portal that are good enough to play at Texas. Uh, there's no no doubt about that. The question is whether or not Texas wants them, uh, given their current roster. And as of right now, Texas has not made that move. And, and I will say this maybe one of the reasons why they're not interested in taking a safety right now is because they like where BJ Allen came and, and how he uh, ended up going forward, even though Jalen Catalan uh, still uh, is uh, in still injured uh, somewhat and uh, trying to get, get that going. All right, let's uh, let's keep going here. I want to see if uh, Jalen Milrow ends up in the portal in these next two days. You know, that's a, that's a question in this. Not for Texas, but you know. No, no, no. wouldn't be for Texas, but Tyler Allman, what quarterback would you be most scared of in the Alabama game? I mean, they've got five of them. I mean, I don't know. All of them have, uh, you know, a certain pedigree, but none of them are necessarily the guy, right? Is that, there's an old saying, if you have, if you, if you don't have, if you have two quarterbacks, you actually have none. I, I, I worry that Nick, what Nick Saban thinks right now is he has none. Now, maybe he's just being overly cautious and playing it up because he's got a new offense coordinator in Tommy Reese. But what are your thoughts on, on the Alabama quarterback situation, Ian? Well, I think it's going to be Buckner. I think that's how they were able to – I mean, Nick, that guy could have gone a lot of places. His, it wasn't working for him in Notre Dame, obviously. They had Sam Hartman. Um, interestingly, I, well, you know, wasn't Tommy Reese there when they recruited Hartman to come? So that was kind of curious that he then circles back to Buckner later. But um, he could have gone a lot of places. The fact that he went to Alabama to me suggests that he thinks he's going to play there. For Texas, I would be more afraid of Jalen Milrow. I don't really understand why Saban doesn't prefer Milrow to a Buckner or somebody else. I know it seems like turnovers are the problem. He had bad ball security against Texas A&M. 
maybe he's throwing a lot of picks in practice. I don't, I don't know. I'm not at the Alabama practices, but he is a powerful athlete and a really strong runner. And I feel like Alabama is going to have, they're going to focus on the run game next year. They have a lot of talented linemen. They have talented running backs. I would be more afraid of facing Alabama with a Jalen Hurts style offense, like back in the day with a lot of option, a lot of quarterback runs. I would not be as worried about an Alabama team that is insisting on trying to throw the ball with these receivers and especially with Tyler Buckner as the trigger man. So, yeah, I, I look, my, my thought process is pretty clear. I mean, Alabama is going to have a really good defense. Um, they're going to have a, they're going to have a tough, they're a tough team. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They're going to be a tough out for Texas. I mean, they got, road. I mean, they got, if I say Texas is going to have eight to 10 guys at the combine next year, so is Alabama each and every year. Right. And so I feel like we, we don't want to, we don't want to make too much out of the quarterback position at Alabama because last year when Bryce Young went down, they beat you as a team, not with Jalen Milrow. Right. And that's, that's something everybody needs to remind themselves of. All right. Speaking <laughs> with, uh, Speaking with Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com, uh, please join us on InsideTexas.com if you get a chance each and every day. Uh, we are writing articles, talking about recruiting uh, and whatnot uh, for the Longhorns. Uh, all right, uh, East 8th, the D. What's that? Real, real quick before then, did you do you remember when Colt McCoy and the defense were holding up Texas? And then when he left – it was assumed that there was a lot of talent to replace him. And then it turned out that Colt McCoy was kind of just dragging Texas. And then they just fell off a cliff. Do you think there's any chance of that when Bryce Young is gone and Will Anderson are gone with Alabama? Oh boy. Wait a minute. We got breaking news here. Matt, our producer. Are you sure about this, Matt? Did he post it on Twitter? Hold on a second, guys. There's there's Major Brute. Looks like Ron Holland has decommitted from the University of Texas. Uh, the five-star uh, player out of uh, Duncanville has decommitted from Texas. Uh, young man, uh, not, uh, not sure the exact reasoning as yet, but this is a big loss uh, for Texas, given that they were so highly going after those guys right now and trying to to bring him in. He was one of, if not the best players in the country this year uh, coming out. So very, very interesting. Ron Holland decommitting from the University of Texas. That is a kick in the you-know-what uh, to the University of Texas basketball program. Um, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, we'll see where this goes. We'll get Jerry Hamilton on to talk about this uh, because this is a big loss uh, for Rodney Terry and his crew. Uh, as they try to build back that uh, basketball roster. Uh, wow. Big time news there uh, for Texas basketball. Uh, all right, Ian, let's go back to a little bit of football stuff. I, I don't want to belabor Ron Holland because I don't know enough about that yet to really talk about it. Uh, I do want to say the D, uh, this from East State, the D defensive end from JMU is interesting, very athletic and powerful for his frame, but also fairly robotic. I can say Texas is not recruiting him at this point. So whether he's interesting or not, 
Texas not not going there at this point. I, I actually watched him a little bit against uh, uh, Louisville. I don't know much about the Louisville offensive tackles, but I figured that'd be a better barometer than watching him against the FCS. He looks he actually looked pretty good to me. Um, he looked like a better, more natural pass rusher than a Gofu was the last couple of years. So the fact that they were not really interested in him to me was pretty interesting. Uh, to me, that suggests that they really do feel at least pretty decent about what they have. Got or, they, or they know about somebody else, right? Yes. Yep. Um, all right. Let's go to this one from Daniel Kinneman. Uh, any reason to hit the panic button with only two football recruits? I don't think so. No, haven't you said the timeline just goes slower these days? It's not. Yeah, like- or it's there. It's more segmented. I think is mm-hmm. is more likely. It's like June with these June official visits. Nobody's in a hurry to make a decision in February and March, right? Because your official visits are right around the corner. Um, also, coaches can just now get out and see the kids in person uh, a second time after seeing them back in the December January uh, time frame as well. So it's a little bit of a two and two. I'm sorry about that. Go ahead, put that back up, Matt, if you don't mind. Uh, thanks, Les Grossman, for the super chat here. I would like, from Les, I would like to see Arch get some reps with the ones. I think if we blow out opponents, put the kid in, let him get used to college football, need him ready for the SEC next year. I think I'd like to see Malik Murphy there. I'd like to see Arch. I'd like to see what they all can do with the ones. We didn't see what either of the backups could do uh, in the in the spring game with the ones, not with the number one offensive line, at least. Right, Ian? Correct. Yeah, Arch did not get a particularly great look in the spring game. Um, I think they would like to preserve his red shirt, though. I don't think that they want to burn that. Um, you can still play four games in red shirt. I don't know if they want to get Arch in ahead of Malik also. Like, are those snaps really worth the risk of of pushing out Malik Murphy and killing your competition? And then, you know, there's also the chance that Queen Ewers is back in 2024 anyways, in which case having Malik or Arch ready for the SEC is not really the question. So I'm maybe maybe getting a little ahead of ourselves on that G5, Grossman. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep going here. And I, uh, there's some suggestions right now I'm reading. Uh, and I got a text into somebody that said that they think that Holland might be going G League. Or, uh, ask. Yeah. That's what not necessarily. AJ Johnson did the same thing. He decommitted, didn't commit to another program, committed to uh, play overseas. So it's, this is not necessarily. Uh, a, a Ron Holland leaving Texas for Kentucky or Duke. It's leaving Texas probably for a million plus. Jerry's know? talked about this a little bit, but um, we're really seeing basketball development kind of branch in two different directions. Some of these like uh, wings and small forwards and five-star athletes, they're going to go where the shoe companies want them to go. And if the shoe companies are like, you know what? it's better for you in the, in the G league or playing overseas than facing two, three zone in college and watching five, 10 point guards pound the ball into the floor while you sit around and do nothing. 
then they're not going to come to college anymore. Um, and that's going to change the game of college basketball in a direction it's basically already going to where it's, it's like a different sport. You know, you just see different types of players there because some of the elite true NBA talents are not going to see that as the developmental path anymore. All right. This is from Trevor Phillips. It looks like it may not be G league. We'll have to see. Uh, while this has been a difficult process, I've decided to decommit from the university of Texas and reopen my recruitment. Texas will still be one of my top schools of choice. That, that sounds more like the G league to me, right? It's like Does Texas. It? Cause if Texas is still one of his top schools, then if it's a school is what is what I'm guessing. I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't do, I'm not a reporter like Jerry. Jerry would know better, but to yeah. me that, Woo. That's a tough one for, for basketball fans, Longhorn basketball fans. That's a, that's a tough one, a tough pill to swallow. All right. We're going to get a couple more questions in here. Uh, we're going to try to run down some information on Ron Holland. I'm sure I already texted with Jerry. He's working on it right now, actually on getting some commentary. Uh, we'll go from there, but first I want to say thanks to our sponsor. Uh, that is Andy Ludicky of myperfectfranchise.net. If you're looking to leave the corporate rat race, two weeks PTO, not much off time and want to own your own business, give Andy a shout at Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. He's a good friend of the program and has set up several Longhorns with businesses of their own and had some success with it. So appreciate Andy and his uh, continued support of our program as well. All right, let's keep going here and try to figure this out. Uh, talk a little bit more. Uh, I want. I had a question here that I wanted to ask you that I thought was a, a very interesting one. Uh, and see where, where you thought this would might go uh, because we, we hit on it a little bit uh, Ian, at the top when we said that Kelvin Banks played against four edges this year that were first round picks. Okay. So E Kim asked based on the first round edges selected that played against Kelvin Banks this past season, does Kelvin shoot up the 2025 first round draft board? I mean, yes, that's probably going to happen anyway. But I'm I am positive that all the different draft people, you know, they're they're doing their film work of the of the 2023 draft guys. They're watching McDonald and whoever else, and then they keep watching them against Kelvin Banks. And I guarantee you, all of them were making a note: who is 78 for Texas? Oh, five-star freshman. Okay, and then they opened up a new file for the future on that guy. So. Yes, for sure. Um, but, you know, that yeah. guy, he would have been, even if they, even if he hadn't faced all, even if he hadn't happened to face all those guys, he'd still be. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think he's a first round draft pick? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, do. you, you do. You, you think he's like, I, 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 I see it and I think he is, but it's good to hear it. Like the question I have is not necessarily whether he's, a first round draft pick it's whether he's a top 10 guy or a top 25 guy. And I think that depends on his health the rest of the way and his continued improvement. You agree with that? Yeah, for sure. I'm trying to think of other guys that were as good as he was as quickly as he was probably Connor Williams. And he went like in the second round, I think. And Connor really Williams didn't have the reason he didn't go in the first was probably he was a little lighter and he didn't have the the length. And Banks 
is going to check both those boxes. So uh, he's almost, honestly, he's probably like playing for the top five. Like stay healthy. And if you get good enough, you're top five. Interesting. All right, uh, Ian, that's been, that's going to do it for today for us. Uh, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Also, Last Stand Hats, uh, the previous player to be drafted in the NFL uh, by uh, a uh, by the by an NFL team uh, after Bijan or before Bijan Robinson was Sam Ellinger. Uh, also, want to say thanks to Les Grossman for that super chat. We really appreciate it. Uh, and Jerry Hamilton uh, joined us earlier. For Ian Boyd, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been this episode of the Longhorn Livestream. Thanks. <laughs>